Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives. That's where you go to support this mission of truth. Today we are resuming our study in the book of Job and wrestling with the difficult question, why do the godly suffer? Today we're going to be reading chapters 38 and 39, and we're getting very, very close to being finished with the book of Job. And today's reading begins the response from Jehovah. God is going to respond to Job. And I'm going to not do a whole lot of commentary this morning. I just want you to pay attention and listen. I am going to start the broadcast with some conversation and some commentary, but then after that we're just going to read chapters 38 and 39 and just kind of listen to the words that God is speaking to Job. And then the next time we get together for this study, we will wrap up the book of Job, which will continue the discourse from God, and then an ending few words from Job. I don't know about all of you, but I think that this study has been a great blessing and uh, perspective-changing Many of us had some preconceived notions and perspectives about Job and about the book of Job and about what's going on in this story. And I hope that this study has really kind of opened things up as far as your understanding about what's happening in the story, but also just why we suffer in general. Sometimes it's, well, you know what? We should, we should have that conversation next week after we wrap up the book. Let's dig in. We're going to do our commentary to start today. So let me read to you from Matthew Henry about just these opening verses. And then we're going to have a, we're going to have a conversation about verse 3. And then that will be the end of the commentary for this morning's study. Here's what Matthew Henry says just to kind of start this up. Because what we have here is God calls upon Job to answer which we're going to talk about in a second, and questions Job, and then starts, you know, then starts talking about how he, you know, God's like, I, well, let me just read this commentary. Job had silenced, but not convinced his friends. Elihu had silenced Job, but not brought him to admit his guilt before God. Remember, one thing that we've discovered is, Job did have some issues, right? Mainly pride. And Elihu pointed that out. Continuing on. It pleased the Lord to interpose. The Lord in this discourse humbles Job, brings him to repent of his passionate expressions concerning God's providential dealings with him. And this he does by calling upon Job to compare God's being from everlasting to everlasting with his own time. So in other words, God's going to be like, I'm, you know, I'm the beginning and the end, more or less, compared to you've been here for a few minutes, right? <laughs> like, how dare we question God when he created all things and all people and holds the very breath we breathe in his hands, and yeah, you know, we've been alive less than a hundred years. He's from all eternity 
sees the beginning from the end, and we're, we're going to question God. That's, that's basically what God is saying. Continuing on this commentary, God's knowledge of all things. So again, we, we question God when he's the only one with complete and full knowledge, right? We're all dealing with partial knowledge about partial things, most of it tainted by lies and biases. With his own So let me just read that whole sentence again. He does this by calling upon Job to compare God's being from everlasting to everlasting with his own time, God's knowledge of all things with his own ignorance, and God's almighty power with his own weakness. Our darkening, the counsels of God's wisdom with our folly, is a great provocation to God. Mm. Humble faith and sincere obedience see farthest and best into the will of the Lord. So when we have that kind of dark end, poor attitude towards God about the way he's handling things, that doesn't sit well with the Lord. We need to be careful about our thoughts and the words that come out of our mouths. I feel like many of us, including myself, have dared to be more arrogant and foolish than Job. May God's mercy be upon us all. Let's look at the first three verses. We'll talk about that a little bit, and then we'll really just start reading. So let me get this first three verses out of the way. Chapter 38. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Verse 3. There's the one I want you to really think about for a second. Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee, and answer thou me. The NSAB says it like this. Now gird up your loins like a man, and I will ask you, and you instruct me. Explanation mark. So I don't know about you, but at this point I'm sure Job's feeling a little bit uncomfortable, wouldn't you say? A little bit afraid. Because God has said this to him. Now pay attention. Gird up now thy loins. First of all, that that figure of speech and that idiom is used throughout the scriptures often. We even for the Passover, right? The way you eat the Passover is you gird up your loins and then eat the. It's this expression that means prepare yourself. Prepare yourself, usually meaning prepare yourself for battle. Gird up your loins. Prepare yourself. Get ready. That's what that means. So God is telling Job, gird up your loins. Get ready, prepare yourself like a man. Okay? Now that means literally what it sounds like it means. God is telling Job, man up. Gird up your loins and prepare yourself like a man. Not just any man. That's not the Hebrew word ish. It's the Hebrew word geber. Geber, which means a strong man or a warrior. It specifically emphasizes like strength and ability to fight. So God's saying... Gird up your lines, get ready, prepare yourself like a strong man ready for battle. Man up. Here's why. Gird up your loins. 
prepare yourself like a strong man. Why? Because I'm going to ask you questions now, and I want answers from you. Now, I don't know about all of you listening behind the microphone or or what Job looked like and felt like in that moment. But if God were to appear to me in a whirlwind and tell me to gird up my line, prepare myself and act like a strong man because he's got some questions and he wants some answers, uh, that's going to be a pretty frightening moment. Wouldn't you say? That's going to be a pretty frightening moment. You see, this whole time, though, Job's been having kind of this attitude about God and really demanding answers, right? Like, he, that, that's one thing. He's like, I'd ra- I wish I'd never been born. Why is this happening to me? Why won't God answer me about this? Have any of us had this attitude towards God? Where we're like, you could you you should at least give me an answer. If you're gonna do this to me, then I need an answer. Well, that's all fine. Until God flips it on its head and says, you know what, I want answers from you now. How arrogant and foolish are we to dare to question God? And I think that's the point of what's being said here. Job, you've been essentially saying the same thing. Now I'm going to turn around. I'm going to ask you. Now you're going to answer God about what you've been doing and thinking. All right. That's our 10-minute backdrop. Let's just read the story. Chapters 38 and 39 this morning. Open up your hearts. Let's see what the Word of God has to say to us. King James Bible. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee, and answer thou me. Where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof of it, thou knowest? Or who has stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut up the sea with doors when it break forth, as if it had issued out of the womb? When I made the cloud the garment thereof, and the thick darkness of a swallowing band for it, and break up for it my decreed place, and set bars and doors, and said, Hitherto shall thou come, but no further, and here shall thy proud waves be stayed. Hast thou commanded the mountain since thy days, and caused the day spring to know its place? That thou might take hold of the ends of the earth? that the wicked might be shaken out of it? It is turned as clay to the seal, and they stand as a garment. And from the wicked their light is withholden, and the high arm shall be broken. Hast thou entered into the springs of the sea, or hast thou walked in the search of the depths? Have the gates of the death 
been opened unto thee? Or hast thou seen the doors of the shadow of death? Hast thou perceived the breath of the earth? Declare if thou, thou knowest it all. Where is the way where the light dwelleth? And as for darkness, where is the place thereof? That thou shouldest take it to the bound thereof, and thou shouldest know the paths of the house thereof. Knowest thou it, because thou was then born? Because the number of thy days are great? Please note, in other words, God's like, were you there? Like, do you know about all this? Were you there? Or do you know, were you there? Were you born when all this was happening? And furthermore, have you been alive so long that you've seen all this and know it all? Verse 22, hast thou entered into the treasures of snow? Or hast thou seen the treasures of the hail? Which I have reserved against the time of trouble, against the day of battle and war. By what way is the light parted, which scattereth the east wind upon the earth? Who hath divided the watercourse from the overflowing of waters, or way of the lightning of thunder, to cause it to rain on the earth where no man is, on the wilderness where there is no man, to satisfy the desolate and waste ground, and to cause the bud of the tender herb to spring forth? God's saying it even rains and storms and 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 provides water for dry places where there is no person. You can't even you don't even know it's happening because there's no one there. And yet I'm taking care of it. Verse 28. Hath the rain a father? Or who hath begotten the drops of dew? Out of whose womb came the ice? And the horary frost of heaven? Who hath, who hath gendered it? The waters are hid with a stone, and the face of the deep is frozen. Can thou bind the sweet influence of Pleiades, or loose the bands of Orion? Canst thou bring forth Mazaroth in his season, or canst thou guide a curate with his sons? Knowest thou the ordinance of heaven? Can thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? Can thou lift up thy voice to the clouds, that an abundance of water may cover thee? Can thou send lightnings, that they may go, and say unto thee, Here we are? Who hath put wisdom in the inward parts? Or who hath given understanding to the heart? Who can number the clouds in wisdom? Or who can stay the bottles of heaven? When the dust groweth into hardness, and the clods cleave fast together, wilt thou hunt the prey for the loin, lion, or feel the appetite of the young lions? When they couch in their dens and abide, and convert to die and wait, and convert to lie and wait, who provideth for the raven his food? When his young ones cry unto God, they wander and lack for meat. Please note, God's like, are you the one taking care of all the animals? Are you feeding the birds? Chapter 39 Knowest thou the time when the wild goats of the rock bring forth? Or who canst thou mark the hinds do calves. Can thou number the months that they fulfill, or knowest thou the time when they bring forth? They blow themselves, they bring forth their young. They bow themselves, they bring forth their young ones. They cast out their sorrows. Their young ones are in good liking. They grow up with corn. They go forth and return not unto them. Who hath sent out the wild ass free, or who hath loosed the bands of the wild ass? 
Whose house have I made the wilderness and the barren land his dwellings? He scorneth the multitude of the city, neither regardeth the crying of the river. The range of the mountains is his pleasure, and he searches after every green thing. Will the unicorn be willing to serve thee or abide by thy crib? Can thou bind the unicorn with his hand and his furrow, or will he harrow the valley after thee? Will thou trust him, because his strength is great, or thou leave thy labor with him? Will thou believe him that he will bring home thy seed and gather it into thy barn? Gavest thou the goodly wings unto the peacocks, or wings and feathers unto the ostrich? Please note, God's like, can you tame that unicorn? Now, I, as I mentioned before, I think we're dealing with an actual unicorn. But God also says this, did you, did you provide those beautiful wings for the peacock? Like, did you make those? Did you design that, Job? Verse 14, which, and then he says, or the feathers unto the ostrich, which leaveth her eggs in the earth and warmeth them in the dust and forgetteth that the foot may crush them or that the wild beast may break them. She is hardened against her young ones as though they were not hers. Her labor is in vain without fear because God hath deprived her of wisdom. Neither hath he imparted her to understanding. That's interesting, isn't it? God's saying, look at the ostrich, how it lays eggs, but then kind of forgets about them and doesn't protect them. And why is the ostrich like that? And he says, because the one who created her, me, didn't give her that kind of wisdom and understanding. Verse 18, what time she lifted up herself on high and she scorned at the horse and her rider and his rider. Hast thou given the horse strength? Hast thou clothed the neck with thunder? Can thou make him afraid as a grasshopper? The glory of his nostrils is terrible. He paweth in the valley and rejoice in his strength and he goeth into meat and armed men. He mocketh at fear, and it is not affrighted, neither turneth he back from the sword. The quiver rattleth against him, the glittering spear and the shield. He swallowed the ground with fierceness and rage, neither believeth he that he that it is the sound of the trumpet. He saith among the trumpets, Ha ha, and he smelleth the battle afar off, the thunder of the captain and the shouting. Doth the hawk fly by thy wisdom and stretch her wings towards the south? Doth the eagle mount up on thy command and make her nest on high? He's saying like, Job, did you did you tell them to behave this way? Did you tell the, the eagle to build nest high up? She dwelleth and abideth on the rock, upon the crag of the rock and the strong place. From thence She seeketh the prey, and her eyes behold afar off. Her young ones also suck up blood, and where the slain are, there she is. We're going to read 24 more verses. We're going to go ahead in verse 40, because we have a short response from Job that I feel like we have to get in today. So we're going to go ahead and read chapter 40 real quick. So God has asked all these questions like, Did you make the animals to be like this and to have these types of attitudes? Like, did you do that, Job? Did you lay the foundations of the earth? 
Like, have you, were you there when all this was done? Like, have you lived so long that you've seen all of this? Verse 40, or I'm sorry, chapter 40, 40 verse 1. Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall he that contendeth with the Almighty instruct him? And he that reproved God, let him answer it. So again, scary moments for Job or anyone else that this would happen to. You think you want answers from God until God says, well, let's start by you giving me answers. So remember, he said, Job, gird up your loins. It's time to act like a strong man because I want some answers from you now. So here we go. Let me read this again. Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall he that contendeth with the Almighty instruct him? So you dared to question God. You dared to give instruction. Let he that reproveth God, let him answer. Here's Job's short answer. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? I will lay my hand upon my mouth. Once I have spoken, but I will not answer. Yea, twice I will proceed no further. So now Job's having an aha moment. He's like, how can I answer the creator of the universe? No, I can't answer you. I'm going to put my hand over my mouth. Verse 6, Then answered the Lord unto Job out of the whirlwind, and said, Gird up thy loins like a man. There's that phrase again. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. So God's like, Actually, I'm not done. I got some more questions. Verse 8, Will thou also disannul my judgment? Will thou condemn me, that thou mayest be righteous? These are severe questions, by the way. That God's asking Job. Because see, God knows the heart behind Job's attitude. Such it is with us. Even if you're not physically shaking your fist at God. He knows what's going on in your mind. Will thou disannul my judgment? Will thou condemn me, the creator of the universe? That thou mayest be righteous? Hast thou an arm like God, or can thou thunder with a voice like him? Deck thyself now with majesty and excellency, and array thyself with glory and beauty. Like, if you can do all this, do this. Cast abroad the rage of wrath, and behold, everyone that is proud, and abase him. Like, you think you you can do better? Let's see you discern the hearts of all men. Verse 12, look on everyone that is proud and bring him low and tread down the wicked in their place. Hide them from the dust together and bind their faces in secret. You know, when God says, let's see you do this, he's also saying, this is things that I do do. See, God knows who's proud. These people who think they're getting away with all all the things they're getting away with, they're not. God has, God's keeping track. Verse 13, hide them in the dust together and bind their faces in secret. Then I will also confess unto thee that thy own right hand can save thee. 
Behold now the behemoth which I made thee. He eateth grass like an ox. Please note, I'm not going to talk much about the behemoth. I happen to think it's a, it's a, it's a creature that either doesn't exist anymore or is so few in number that we are not fully aware of it, but is a large beast of some kind. Some people think that it's a brontosaurus or something. I'm not, you know, I have a whole different view on dinosaurs that I'm not going to get into today. Um, I definitely think it's not what the commentators try to say. Like they say, it's a hippo, which sounds ridiculous to me because a hippo has a tail like a string and God describes the behemoth of having a tail like a cedar, like a tree. But that's all I'm going to note on that. Behold the behemoth which I made with thee. He eateth grass as an ox. Lo, now his strength is in his loins, and his force in the navel of his belly. He moveth his tail like a cedar. The sinews of the stones are wrapped together. His bones are strong pieces of brass. His bones are like bars of iron. He is chief of the ways of God. He that made him can make his sword to approach unto him. Surely the mountains bring him forth food, where all the beasts of the field play. He lieth under the shady trees, and convert of the reeds and fins. The shady trees cover him with their shadow, and the willows of the brook compass him about. Behold, he drinketh up the river, and hasteth not. He trusteth that he can draw up the Jordan in his mouth. He taketh with his eyes, and his nose pierces through snares. That is the end of chapter 40. And that is the end of our study for this morning. Lord willing, we will wrap this study up next week. I pray that I've gotten across the message that needs to be uh, gotten across. I, I I hope you understand the purpose of the questioning and hopefully we emphasized enough what it must feel like because you shake your fist and you complain and you murmur and you want answers from God but what you might get is God saying no you answer me hmm it's a it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the Lord and I'm sure this is beyond humbling for Job. Well, that's all I have for you this morning. Thank you for listening. Thank you to those who pray for the podcast, who share it with others. I certainly need that help. Thank you to those of you who uh, support it financially, the Patreon subscribers who take care of this month after month after month, those of you who send things in the mail, those of you who donate through PayPal, you make this possible and you bless me as a result. And it's far beyond what I deserve. So thank you for your kindness. That's all I have for you this morning. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.